Wait, what were we doing again? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> am I real? Shut up. Where were you on the night of July 30th, 1776? Not alive. Where were you four and a half Fridays ago? Four and a half Fridays? Half of a Friday? I don't know. <laughs> Semantics. Give me Answer specific, the question. Give me a specific You're going to go to jail. <laughs> I need a time. <laughs> I need a date and time. 1,436 minutes, 23 what? seconds. What? What does that even mean? You're making me do math. <laughs> I don't know. Are dogs cute? Yes. Do they have paws? Yes. Do you like tacos? Yeah, definitely. What is raspberry pie? Uh, it's a computer system. No, it's a fucking delicious dessert. <laughs> Hello and welcome to... Um... Uh... Roll the intro music. <laughs> Listening to the Philosophical Cocktail Podcast. Hello and welcome to Philosophical Cocktail. I'm your host, Joshua Finn. Signet across for me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Kayla Finn. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Where were you on the night of July 30th, 2012? Fantastic question. No clue. I mean, 2012, I was probably 10, 11 years. And nope, that's not it. It was not You don't even remember 11. how old you are? <laughs> no. You're going to jail. <laughs> we have I eyewitness testimony. I was 15. So I was probably, <laughs> I was probably a freshman in high school. So I was probably at some homecoming game or something, maybe. No, I wasn't even because we were... We graduated high school after no clue. You graduated high school in 2012? I'm sorry. (laughs) You're terrible. Anyway, this just proves your memory is awful. Yep. (laughs) Um, So in case you couldn't tell, today's podcast is going to be about memory and how you probably don't remember that correctly. I don't remember anything ever, but I think that's a personal thing. Um, probably. Yeah. But yes, today we are talking about memory and how you don't remember that correctly. I just said that. Oh. (laughs) It's okay if you forgot that I just said that. (laughs) We're having too much fun with this. It is. Um, so anyways, as far as what memory is, according to, if you look it up on Merriam-Webster, there's like 70 different definitions. Um, But if you kind of boil it down, it's basically the ability to take in information, store it, and then recall it at a later time. Just like a computer. Yeah, pretty much. So the three main stages of memory would be encoding, storage, and retrieval. Now, encoding, so it's the process of like getting the information and kind of going through it. So this is how the information kind of comes from the outside world and into our brains. And we kind of change the information a little bit so that we can actually put it into our memory and store it. Now, storage, obviously, is very self-explanatory, but it's making those memories um, permanent and keeping them in our brains. And then that retrieval is when we recall it later on. 
and we use it to basically maybe tell other people about it kind of, you know, it's like, oh, like I had this memory and this is, this is what it is. So then the main three types of memory would be sensory memory, short-term memory, and long-term memory. So sensory memory, I'm sure you've heard like um, sometimes you'll recognize a smell from a specific place. Like you're not really sure where it came from, but that's your sensory memory. It's a, it's a smell that you recognize. I will always remember the smell of nacho cheese from Taco Bell. <laughs> that is one type of sensory memory. Now, it's not something that we like really consciously control. Um, and it allows us to store sensory information even after like the stimulus itself is gone. Mm-hmm. The next type of memory is short-term memory, which obviously lasts for only a short time. And each person can hold about seven plus or minus two pieces of information at a time. And then we go to long-term memory, which is, it's kind of an indefinite amount of space that you have, um, and it lasts for a very long time. However, your long-term memory isn't always that great, even though you have that indefinite space. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting, though. I saw a study where if you look at memory and long-term memory, even though the further out you get from a... Say you learned Spanish for mm-hmm. a year in middle school. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the words drop off, but then after a while, it actually plateaus. Mm-hmm. So there's a base level that you seem to remember forever. Interesting. I could see that um, with my like Polish. I've been speaking Polish since you know I could talk. Um, and with not living with my parents anymore and not using it as much, I'm forgetting it so bad, but I can still kind of get around in basic conversation. I'd certainly hope so. (laughs) Now, problems can occur at any stage of the remembering process. So that would be the encoding, uh, storage and retrieval. So distraction could potentially prevent you from encoding the information initially. The information might not even be stored properly, or it might just not go from short term to long term. And once it's actually stored, we might not be able to retrieve it well. Mm-hmm. And there are problems that can occur even after you've encoded it. There's something called interference theory. Mm-hmm. So what did you have for lunch last Monday? I don't know. See, most people wouldn't remember that weird detail about themselves. If there is somebody that remembers every food they've ever eaten in chronological order, I'd find them rather frightening. Mm -hmm. But one of the issues that we have with memory is how many meals have you had since that point? A lot. So those memories of pretty much the same act of eating interfere with that previous memory. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to remember what you had because one, it's not vitally important. You might remember if you had like a special night out or something like that, but just the mundane act gets kind of pushed back as you continue to do it over and over and over again. That makes sense. There's also something called the retrieval failure theory, Mm -hmm. which is the idea that you can't access some memories. Yep. So an example is draw what the mask of Darth Vader looks like. Oh, that's tough. See, you can probably get the general outline. Yeah. You can get the color, but the specific details will probably be way off. Yeah. Because even though you've seen it time and time again, it's not important. Mm -hmm. So you can't 
retrieve it as easily. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the Q-dependent theory, which this I find extremely interesting. So it's some information can't be recalled unless certain cues are present. And in my personal experience, you know how I uh, walk a lot of routes for the gas company? Mm -hmm. When I was doing that every day, I would come across a route that I had done before because they cycle every two months. Mm -hmm. And I'd hit a location and something I was reading or listening to at the time, suddenly I could remember all of it. Like what I learned. Where it would be like, oh, I listened to um, how landfills work. And I'm Uh like, oh, that's right. You know, it's wet and uh, dry decomposition. Uh So what's interesting for my job, because I work with students, And sometimes we call it prompt dependency, which means that the students will not do anything until we like prompt them to do it. So basically say you're like, I'm teaching them how to brush their teeth, right? And um, they know how to brush their teeth, but they will not like move the toothbrush to the left side unless I point to their left side or, you know, they might not rinse their toothbrush until I tell them it's okay, like time to rinse your toothbrush. So it's like, I basically give them the cues or the prompts to do the next thing. You teach students how to brush their teeth? It is one of uh, the goals that we have at school, yes. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, another thing that I read, uh, I was from NPR, and it talked about how we like to think that our memory works almost like a video camera. Mm -hmm. Apparently about 60% of Americans believe that, but that's just not the case. There are a ton of things that can interfere with our memory. Yeah. And that can lead to some major issues as well. Yeah. And I feel like this is often a struggle for, um, I mean, like eyewitnesses to a crime where they might not remember things very well. And um, I mean, it can cause some issues. Yeah. There's almost nothing more compelling than someone standing up in the middle of a trial, pointing to the person that is the accused of committing a crime and saying, This man did this. Yeah. But our memories are inherently flawed. Mm -hmm. There have been so many cases that the person gets convicted because a lot of people believe, you know, you want an eyewitness that that's a credible source, but it's not. I was reading one that was specifically terrible. So there was a man named Kirk Bloodsworth who was sentenced twice to death for the rape and murder of a nine-year-old girl and... There was no evidence against him except five witnesses placing him with the victim. Wow. He eventually was exonerated due to DNA testing. Uh, He was actually the first death row prisoner to be exonerated by DNA. That's crazy to think about. Well, yeah, because five people just said, oh, yeah, he was definitely with her. Yeah. That's like, I've seen, there was a TV show I was watching. I don't remember what it was, but um, they were basically testing that. Um, as far as memory goes and there was a woman who like stole someone's purse or something and they were asking like oh like what color jacket was she wearing was it red or was it gray and so a lot of people were saying you know it was red it was gray and it turns out her jacket was actually white so I mean you don't really remember things that aren't that significant you know yeah and that's one of the issues because it might not be significant at the time and then you're asked to recall it but people they'll also create that memory in their own mind Mm mm-hmm So I've actually, so I've seen this explained in the Mandela effect, but what that's called is it's called confabulation. 
So it's kind of like honest lying. We're not we're not necessarily trying to lie to deceive anyone or anything like that. However, we're trying to fill in the gaps in our own memory. And so that's what it's what it is, is we're trying to fill that in and kind of make the memory make sense. Yeah. Speaking of that, that was another major issue in criminal justice. So I was actually looking a little bit into the Innocence Project because they do a lot of proving people innocent. Okay. And they've actually started to try to implement some eyewitness identification reforms because uh, based on their website, they say mistaken eyewitness identifications contribute to roughly 69% of wrongful convictions in the U.S. overturned by DNA evidence. That's crazy. That's a lot. It really is. And that's why a lot of work has to be done. And thankfully, uh, they say 24 states have implemented the reforms promoted by them. Mm -hmm. Either uh, they say through legislation, court action, or voluntary compliance. Sadly, Illinois is not one of them. That's unfortunate. But one of the things that they're working on, it's like you were saying how you fill in Mm -hmm. your memories. So when the officer gives instructions during like a police lineup, one of the things they say is give them the directive that the suspect may or may not be present. Yeah, that way they have the option to say, oh, I don't see them here. Yeah, they don't feel compelled to just pick somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a little bit more fair. And uh, it gives more room for that error in memory. Yeah, one of the issues in the justice system as well is a lot of these crimes cause trauma mm-hmm. and we're very bad at remembering events that are traumatic yeah so they say that it's it's almost freudian but mm-hmm. when someone experiences extreme trauma it's almost a defense mechanism to kind of not remember it very well kind of yeah like bury it kind of pr- protect yourself from it and yeah exactly almost like dissociate and that's one of the issues too why eyewitnesses just a not effective method of convicting people. Absolutely. Because our memories are terrible. Memories in trauma are even worse. That's why we have to focus a lot more on, you know, DNA and non-eyewitness slash circumstantial evidence. Yeah, more like actual physical evidence. That makes sense. So another thing that I wanted to talk about, one of my coworkers had actually recommended this topic for me as far as memory goes. It's called the uh, Mandela effect. Now, this is a crazy thing because not only are our memories a little incorrect, but the Mandela effect is actually when a lot of people remember something differently. So it's not only like, oh, I remembered something wrong. It's a whole group of people. It's almost called um, a collective false memory. So the most common one that we hear is Luke, I am your father. However, Darth Vader never actually said that. He said, no, I am your father. He never said Luke's name. No, that can't be true. It That's is impossible. Uh, We're all remembering that wrong. <laughs> we are. Or um, like Curious George never had a tail. Or the quote, life is like a box of chocolates. Incorrect. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> the actual quote is life was like a box of chocolates. So That's heresy. Yeah. Heresy. Uh, I call the- shenanigans. <laughs> I have I have another one. I have so many examples, honestly, but Looney Tunes. When you think about it, you think it's spelled. Yeah, I mean, it's L-O-O-N-E-Y-T-O-O-N-S. 
wrong. It's actually spelled Looney and then T-U-N-E-S, like a show tune. Not sure why, um, but... We're, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> you have ruined my childhood for the last time. Um, okay, I'm going to give... <laughs> I'm going to give one more example of Fruit of the Loom. Um, the logo, when you picture the logo, you think that there's supposed fruit. to be... Yeah, it's fruit and a cornucopia. What? Cornucopia. When I think of it, I think of the cornucopia, but um, it's actually not there. The cornucopia doesn't exist. It's just a bunch of fruit. Yeah. That, that <laughs> might be the only one I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, so, okay, basically... it. The Mandela effect got its name when a um, paranormal consultant, that's what she called herself, Fiona Broom, she remembered Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s in a prison, even though he actually lived until 2013. Now, if it was just her memory that she like remembered it wrong, it would be different. However, she spoke to many other people who thought the same thing that she did. But the reason why it happens is it's almost like that game of, you know, telephone. Have you ever played telephone when you were a kid? Yeah, let's play right now. We can't. <laughs> it's, it's not as effective with two people. But usually what happens is, you know, you tell one person a statement and then it goes through that line and eventually something different comes out. And so the last memory is usually pretty close to that original memory, but it's not quite the same. And then obviously I mentioned the confabulation, which is, you know, trying to fill in the gaps in your memory. And um, those are just some of the reasons why the Mandela effect kind of happens. Makes sense. Makes sense. It might also be because you have that repeated back to you so many times. Mm -hmm. Because everyone, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. Yeah. So the more people that believe it, the more you think you're right. But and if you hear something enough, it can actually change your memory. Yeah. That's like I do have this one memory of when I was a kid and I remember like lying to my parents about it. And I've, I've said the lie so many times. I don't even remember the real story anymore. But I know it's a lie, which is crazy. <laughs> but I've basically changed my own memory. Yeah. Even though our memories are terrible and fallible and all sorts of awful things, and you really probably <laughs> haven't remembered anything accurately in your life, there is a World Memory Championship. Oh, cool. But these are less events and more just kind of almost interesting feats uh -huh. where they'll have someone memorize binary digits like 00110010011011011. We get it. Okay. <laughs> And there's, uh, let me see, there are some crazy records. So with the binary digits, apparently the world record is 7,485 digits. You're telling me that someone read binary code and remembered 7,000 digits of it? Almost 7,500. That's insane. How do these people remember it? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to... Just getting really good at chunking that information into smaller bits mm -hmm. using whatever mnemonic devices sure. that they can create. But yeah, honestly, I have no clue, nor will I ever attempt to do anything like that. That's like the people that memorize like pi up to like 100 digits or something. Oh, yeah. Virgins? Those people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, I mean, even though our memory isn't the best, I feel like a lot of it is just practice, just taking the time to work on getting a better memory. Yeah, but naturally, this is far different from traumatic events. True, true. And they're focusing on remembering certain things. Yeah. Like, one of them uh, that's really interesting, they memorize a random deck of cards, and they have to read back what the cards are in order, and apparently the record for that is 12.74 seconds. So they took 12 seconds to flip through the deck and then write it back. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. So they're not even timing, like, how many correct they got or how long it took them to recite them. It's... It's, it it's, has to be correct, otherwise. No, I know, but count. that I mean. That's I mean, just... I could flip through a deck of cards and start <laughs> saying random cards, but that doesn't make it memory. Yeah, but that's just insane that they didn't even sit there like staring at them and remembering in order and stuff. They just they just flipped through it and were like, "Yeah, okay, I got this." Yeah, because how many? How many They're cards? Fifty-two 52? cards. That's what I thought. Fifty-two card so, pickup. That's like that's like point two seconds per card. Yeah, I mean, you you're really just flipping. At that point, that's insane. They probably also got really good at flipping cards. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so anyways. Let's see. They also have hour numbers. So they take an hour to memorize as many numbers as they can. And the record for that is 4,620. So from a list of numbers, they have to memorize it? Yeah. So they have an hour yeah. to memorize as many numbers as they can. That's still pretty crazy. Indeed. Indeed. The human brain is just, it's insane. It's way too complicated. I Absolutely. We can't remember what we ate for dinner, but this guy can memorize 7,500 binary digits in 30 minutes. And 52 cards in 12 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Even though the hour number and the 30-minute binary digits were completed by the same guy. So I'm proud of him. He's got some kind of memory, man. I think we all have some kind of memory. You know what? You know what I meant. <laughs> but do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, nope. That's all I got today. Well, on that note, remember to email us with any questions, comments, podcast ideas. We love to hear from you guys. It's mail at philosophicalcocktail.com. And you can also reach us on any social media. As always, thank you for existing. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes like this one. You can visit us at philosophicalcocktail.com to read our blogs and see upcoming events and podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. If you would like to support us, click the Amazon Affiliates link on the bottom of our page or donate to us on Patreon. See you next week.